Well, hey there, welcome to the show. Today, I'm interviewing Renee Schulte. Renee is a former state legislator, a therapist and consultant who now teaches and works to build healthier policies at home, work, and in the community. Renee had a major health challenge after years of overworking and neglecting her body's signal. And now she believes and teaches others about the importance of setting boundaries, making healthy, wise choices, and creating work-life balance. So there is a lot of gold in this conversation. So get ready to take notes. You're listening to The Inspired Wave, stories of everyday heroines, real-life inspiration. I'm your host, transformational coach and connection catalyst, C.J. Rivard. Join me weekly to hear real-life inspiration and tips for tackling your life's challenges. Each week, you'll hear from a relatable woman who shares about her struggles and the tools she used to work through them. By being women of courageous action, vision, and ongoing evolution, each of us can create a ripple of positive impact, and together, we'll create a wave of change. Join us. Well, welcome, everyone. I'm so excited to introduce you to Renee today. We've got a great conversation planned. Welcome, Renee. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. I'm excited for the conversation. Me too. So why don't you tell everyone where you're calling in from and if there's anything you'd like to share before we get started about yourself, before we really get into the story. Sure. So my name is Renee Schulte and I am from the Des Moines area in Iowa and I'm a former legislator and a lifelong therapist and I'm just grateful to be here. Awesome. All right. So how did you, or how long ago was it, and how did you get into being a legislator? Let's start there. Oh, that's a great story. So I never went to school to be a legislator. That actually was never a goal. I didn't even take the government classes that you're supposed to take or any poli-sci classes. I actually really disliked all of those things. And so there was a little lady, I know, there was a little lady at my church um, there was a sermon one day about respecting people in government or something. And back in the day, you could go to the back and get a tape or a CD about it. And she was met me in the back and said, you know, I need you to come to lunch with me on Friday. And I was like, okay. And so I show up at lunch and there is sitting next to her, a Senator who is retiring. And she looked at him and said, she's going to run as our next state Senator. And I actually had to excuse myself and run to the bathroom. because I thought I was going to throw up. And that's sort of how it started. And so as crazy as that sounds, that is the day and how that went. So that never, that was never really a dream. of. So, but your background, so you said you're a a mental health therapist and were they specifically looking for that background in? Uh, No, so that's another fun story. So (laughs) the next part of this was someone asked me, well, if you ran for public office, why would you do it? And I said, Well, to fix the mental health system, of course, because it's broken. I was a foster parent at the time and had kids at home and the system didn't work. That senator looked at me and said, well, nobody runs to do that. And I said, well, then I'm not going to do it because that's the only thing I would care about. If I'm going to do this, it's to fix this. So we did, we did run. We got, we lost some, we won some, 
we got to redesign our mental health system in our state. And so I'm very proud of that because that's the only thing I wanted to do. And that's exactly what I got to do. So I'm that's excited about awesome. that. Boy, Thanks. a woman with a vision. That's that was incredible. vision given to me. So it was needed to be fixed. That's so right. this is a little off topic because we've okay. definitely got a lot of your journey that needs to be shared here. But what was it like? I mean, I just I can't even imagine running for a political position, especially when you hadn't contemplated before or run for anything before. And this was at the state level. I mean, that sounds yeah. really scary. That sounds exhausting. Yeah. That just sounds kind of crazy. Absolutely. It was completely crazy. But I knew a couple of things. I knew that I am really teachable. And they gave me really good people. And they said, these people have done this before. Do what they tell you to do. And so I was like, okay, I, I can't do it by myself. I don't know how. Yeah. And so they said, well, we'll help you. We'll bring people around you that you that can do it. And so it really was all about just listening to people who have gone before me and making wise choices and following in their footsteps. There were some really great people that helped with all of that journey. Uh, but you're right. It was completely crazy. And so now if people ask me if I'm ever going to do it again, I know a lot more than I did the first time making that a very hard choice. Now, <laughs> I didn't know any better back then. I know better now. <laughs> And was it, did you have fear or just conviction that you could make a change? And so you just blasted forward. I mean, was it uh, for me it's, around it, that? Yeah, it was really just conviction. And so for me, I had to have a fire that kept you going because it was a lot of work and mm -hmm. which we'll get to in a second about my health issues, but it was a lot of work and the stress behind all of that. But I just knew that it was something I needed to do. And the system wasn't getting better. And I was like, if this is what I was supposed to do, I was going to give it my best and let it rip. And so we won. And so there we were. We got elected and then got to actually do what we said we were going to do, which is a really cool place to be. Sounds like a few people must have backed that platform. Yeah. <laughs> <agree>. well, <laughs> right. And so it, one of the things I'm most proud of is I'm out now about a decade since I was in. And now there cannot be in our state, one person running for an office that doesn't talk about mental health. And it's on every single flyer. It's in every single ad. Mm -hmm. And it is now in the forefront of our conversation. And for that, I'm the most proud because nobody talked about it a decade ago, but now nobody can stop talking about it. Yeah. And so for nothing else, if we made no other changes, we've brought it to the forefront and are reducing stigma. And that's been a big, important piece. Yeah, that's very important. That's great. Yeah. It must be so gratifying to see all of that hard work come to fruition as it did. Yeah, so, and, and it can be frustrating because sometimes it's not as fast as I would have liked it to go. Oh, I but bet. Oh, this is, and there's still so many challenges, right? We're nowhere close to a perfect system. So right. it's, but it's some of both. It's, I was glad to be part of it and something greater than myself. Mm -hmm. So tell yeah. us what this meant for you and how personally this journey went as a legislator? So I ended up kind of going a little, we'll go forward a minute and then we'll back up. But about a few years right after being elected, I was going to run for Congress. So I was in, I was elected for four years. I was out for a little while. And then they asked me to run for Congress and I was going to run for Congress. And that's when I got hospitalized with a major illness. And at that time, none of that added up. 
But looking backwards, I can piece it together. So while I was in the legislature, I let go of every piece of self-care that I ever knew to do. I didn't sleep well. I didn't eat well. I basically buried myself in the work that I had to do. And at the time, didn't think much of it. But I ended up in physical pain. I ended up with a diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis during that time in the office. And still didn't really catch on that this was stress-related or stress-induced. I know I'm a therapist, but I was really blind to this situation. With you. And so, yeah, just really blind. And so I just kept working. And so when that ended, I ended up coming straight out of the legislature. We have this nonpartisan redistricting system that every 10 years with the new census, they changed the maps. And so I ended up kicked out on the map, like became unfavorable to me. So it wasn't anything I personally did, just the numbers shifted and I couldn't get reelected. So the state brought me in as a consultant to write all the rules for the laws we just passed for mental health. So I've written all the laws and the rules, which hasn't happened for too many people. And so I kept still working, still working, still working. And then I was on medication for rheumatoid arthritis. And then that's what happened. I apparently got this really large fungal infection in my lungs. And that is what took me completely out. And so I was laying in the hospital. I was two weeks in the hospital. Um, on oxygen, not doing well at all. And I lost my gallbladder with gangrene. And I will never forget the doctor came in and said, we're glad we took your gallbladder who's full of gangrene, but that's not why you're sick. And I'm laying there thinking, what did I do? How did I get here? And I had going to be running for Congress. I was actually going to announce for Congress the following week. And from my hospital bed, had to call a friend and say, I need you to cancel every one of my donor appointments because I can't run. And that was the end of my political career as I lay there in bed and I'm like, how did I get here? So that's sort of the story. And it started in the state house and it ended up in a hospital bed. And so then we had to reconsider. You had to sit there and go, well, how did we do this? Yeah. <laughs> and that's when yeah. you started piecing together. Oh, there were red flags. Oh, oh. there were these things. Oh, I missed this and really had to then rebuild a life that looked different because I could not go at that pace anymore. And my body would literally stop. It just didn't have that endurance anymore. And it took a, it took years of rebuilding mm -hmm. and at a slower pace that I did not know and was not accustomed to. But my body just said, hey, this is what we're going to do. And you have no choice. You better listen. Lucky me. Don't yeah. want to go back to the hospital. Wow. No. So as you were piecing it together, where did you miss the red flags or what did you do wrong or what would you like to point out that mm. you could have done better and we should yep. take heed of? Yeah, a couple of them. There's a lot, but one was sleep. I just didn't, I don't do well without sleep, but that particular job didn't always allow me to get the sleep I needed. But I didn't make any plans to try to catch that up or remedy that or even make up on weekends or anything else. I just went into sleep deficit and just figured I'd be okay. And clearly I wasn't. Just the basics like water. I think I was carrying around Mountain Dew for more than one year in the state house, right? I had this big cup. It started out as water, but that was boring. So then I changed it over and you could just refill it. And nobody cared. And I carried it with me everywhere. But just think of the extra calories, the extra sugar. 
And my body just couldn't process all of that. So the rheumatoid arthritis diagnosis came from just all of this horrible inflammation that I put into my body. And I didn't even think about it. And I was eating high fat foods. They would feed us like breakfast danishes and stuff. They would have receptions for us at morning, noon, and night. And it would be all the catered type foods that you would imagine at a catered kind of after cocktail party type receptions. None of that's quality food. But that would pass as food. And I would do that day in and day out. And so I didn't live in the town of the capital. So I would drive into town for the capital on a Monday, on a Sunday, typically, and stay there till Thursday and then drive back to my hometown and be there on the weekend. And I don't remember ever shopping at a grocery store the entire time I lived in the capital city. That means I ate out every meal every day for years. I'm like, no wonder my body didn't work. Yeah. Right. So there's some pieces that should have been a more of a light bulb moment, but I was around people who all did the same thing. And so there was nobody really like holding up a mirror saying, Hey, this isn't going to go well. I mean, we were all in that bubble together. And I think that's where I really missed the boat. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, I think, you know, when you're younger and you're feeling okay, we just, we push the envelope, don't we? I mean, oh, you were feeling yeah. okay at the time. Well, you did, yeah. you got the, the rheumatoid arthritis diagnosis at one point. So that might've been a signal, but you know, if you were managing, yeah. you just don't think about it because you're invincible and you've got a job no. to do and you have a vision. That's right. I remember I had a, um, a coworker, a colleague in the, in the house met me one day at committee and handed me my purse. And she said, you're coming with me at lunchtime. And she took me downtown to an internist because she could hear my chest rattle. I had walking pneumonia, community, what they called community acquired walking pneumonia. And I was working in the state house and didn't even acknowledge that I was sick. But she had enough wherewithal to be like, you're coming to see my doctor friend. I didn't have a doctor in the capital town, but she's like, I called my doctor and she's going to see you at lunch. And so that's the kind of stuff because we didn't have sick days. You didn't have time off. And so I just went. And if you couldn't talk when you were there, you just didn't talk, but you still had to go to work. And I didn't even think that maybe I should stay home not being sick. And this was all pre-COVID, which is very, very different now the way they're treating these things today. But before COVID, you didn't have sick days at the state house. And so, I mean, all of that stuff looking back sounds insane. But that is the culture of that particular place. And so yeah. um, I look back and go, wow, I'm blessed I didn't get worse. I mean, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. Not that this wasn't great, but it could have been worse given how horrible I just took care of my body. And my body just was like, not going to have that anymore. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So other than the rheumatoid arthritis diagnosis, were there other signals you well, yeah, you had walking pneumonia. I mean, there were there were signals that you just didn't tune into because you were so busy and feeling yeah, okay. I think looking back, I got short-tempered and really easily frustrated and angered with people just, you know, really not nice at times. I wasn't like the nicest person to people. I mean, just really it's just so focused that work was everything. And so anything that wasn't work, especially that Monday through Thursday, mm-hmm. I didn't even think about life outside of those outside of work. And so just so unbalanced, just not being able to spend time with friends or family and things like that. And so 
it was really unbalanced and just didn't work was everything and work's not everything. But at that point in my life, it seemed like work was everything. And that's just not, that should have been more obvious to me because I missed out on probably some other things that would have been a lot of fun and I've been paying attention. Yeah. It's hard when you're in the thick of it, but it's true. We have to kind of step back and look around and go, all right, this is, I'm driving forward here, but what about all these areas of my life? What's going on over there? (laughs) Not much because I'm not paying attention. And that's, I've certainly been guilty of that at times as well. You get caught up and I think we have to be really intentional in stepping back and checking in with ourselves and what we're doing. And if we're not losing too much focus on those other areas that are so important, like friends and family and health, for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. I agree. So what are the areas or that you would really drill home I mean, I already heard a couple, and we talked about this before I hit record. It amazes me that the most basic things for health that are so important are sleep and water. And yet, so many people overlook those or just let it slide a little too long. And those are big, big Well, tell us how, once you ended up in the hospital with the infection, tell us how you proceeded to shift your life and, you know, what changes you made and what you're doing now. Sure. So when I was in the hospital, it was a year on an antifungal medication to get all that stuff out of my lungs. And so there was a time where it was actual intravenous where I had to have They had to put stuff in me for some days in the hospital. And then I had to come back to the hospital for a while for them to like flush stuff through my system. I don't know. I told you how sick I was. I mean, I was on oxygen. I was, it was not good. And so, but then there was a medication I had to take for almost a year. So there were side effects of the medication. So there was just a lot of just that whole process of medication. And so in that space, just finding I went to nutritionists or to functional medicine type doctors about how to feel okay on this pretty heavy duty meds. These Mm -hmm. meds really tore up my stomach and it didn't make me feel great. And so I'm like, okay, I have to take them because I don't have a choice not to get rid of this infection. So I'm trying to figure out that. I had to figure out the rheumatoid arthritis diagnosis that was still there. I think they had me off of rheumatoid arthritis meds for a while um, because they had played into how I got this infection. So I was off of that for a while and had to bring that back in. So for at first, for the first year or so, it was a lot of doctors. Then I had to really think about, okay, get off the medications. What do I do to take care of myself? And so I have done my goal. I showed this. This is the last bottle of medication I ever took for rheumatoid arthritis. I've been in remission now for over three years. And this bottle really is a motivator for me because I'm not going back to medication. So what that means is that's my goal. So then I think of all the different strategies that I might need to get there. And so I've worked with nutritionists and I've worked with functional medicine, but I've worked with chiropractors and I've worked with coaches. A year ago during the pandemic, wasn't sleeping well again and started really up, you know, not being able to sleep at night. So I'm, I work in headspace now and thinking about meditation and trying to figure out how to breathe better. And just all these things that are like, okay, if I know I need to sleep, I know I need to eat well, what else? 
does that look like? And so try different programs. Some programs work better than others. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm always just looking for, okay, what else can I do? And it's, I'm not close to perfect. Last week, I bombed again and had a road trip that I think I ended up with too much caffeine and stayed up two nights because I couldn't sleep. That was a mess. So I'm already thinking, the way I think is like this after action review. Okay, what did I do wrong? And how do I not do it again? Yeah. Because that was awful. <laughs> so let's, you know, I'm writing in my journal. Okay, that wasn't good. Um, people are like, how'd you do? I'm like, I don't know. It wasn't good. And so there's still pieces that's not right, but it's less pieces now, right? So I'm off the meds. I still have pain sometimes. So I'm still working through that. And it's just working and being willing to ask for help is a big piece of it. I mean, I never thought I could do anything, right? I got elected. I could do anything. No, I needed help. And so I started thinking, okay, what type of person can help? And just really learning all I could in that space and finding something else and then and just putting it together till it starts to work for you. And that's the really big piece is you have to have that goal because it's not easy. But goal, I mean, I, I'm right now I'm sugar-free for the most part. I don't love that. I'm actually supposed to bake cookies tonight with a group of ladies. And my oh, goal is to not eat them. Oh, boy. Um, we'll see how that goes. I'm not going to beat myself up if I have a little, but I won't feel well tomorrow if I have a little. So I have to think that through, right? So it's a matter of putting myself now where I have to make those choices. It's like, okay, if you're going to eat this today, you might be not feeling great tomorrow. Is that what you want to do? Is that worth the trade? And so sometimes it's worth the trade and sometimes it's not. hope that Yeah, well, especially you're really intentionally zeroing in on what works and becoming really aware of how it's affecting you, it sounds like, which is phenomenal. You're really in tune now, which is what was missing for those yes. five years. Yeah. So if I wake up now and my head is stuffy or I have a headache or joints are achy, or if the ball of my foot, if I step on the floor in the morning and that's like pinging through my toes and it hurts when I step on the floor, that means I ate something or did something off the day before. So I really try to like think that through so that I can make a connection, mind and body and spirit about, okay, what is what was that and what could I have changed it? Sometimes I couldn't have changed it and that's fine. But other times, oh yeah, you did choose to eat blank. And so maybe that probably wasn't your best choice or you had two servings of that. Maybe you should have just done one or whatever. And so at least trying to get connection because I lived so many years disconnected from what my body was doing. I mean, I was... To be as sick as I landed in the hospital, I had been sick a long time. The doctors are very clear that you don't just get gangrene overnight. I was sick a while. To have missed all of those signals, I was super out of touch. So that's been a huge part of this journey is just trying to put that together and be aware that it's your body signals you for a reason Mm -hmm. and you need to pay attention. And then on the same token, my body, I don't get the mental health, emotional outburst stuff so much. It's physical. And so my body will push it out physically. So if I'm going to stuff it in, whatever it is, I don't want to deal with mm-hmm. forgiving someone or I don't want to deal with an argument with someone. Mm-hmm. My body handles that physically and it will tell on me if I've stuffed things in. And so that has been a good revelation, although difficult to have to realize that sometimes it's my own stuff that's manifesting in physical pain. Mm-hmm. And so it's been a lot of a long time trying to put all that together. And I guess if I was going to give hope to your listeners, it's you just go down that journey and talk to people. There's a lot of people out there struggling with this. We're not by ourselves. 
and it's different for each person. So you, you can't get somebody just to tell you do these four things and you're going to have a lovely day. Your body won't respond the same way mine will. And so how do you, you know, but that doesn't mean you don't go ask and try something new. And if you want to feel well, it's worth pursuing that next person and asking their help because you might learn a, a golden nugget from somebody that you're like, I had never thought about that. Mm-hmm. I'll give you one, just one off the top. So stevia is a nice sugar alternative for most people. But stevia is made from the ragweed. Ragweed. Okay. It comes from ragweed. Well, I am allergic to ragweed, have been since a little kid. Didn't know this fact. So I thought some stevia tasted good. So I thought more stevia would be great. I like things that are sweet. That would be awesome. Wasn't awesome. And so... Just something simple like that could, for me, be a big problem where other people are like, that's a great sugar alternative. And it is for a lot of people. I'm really allergic to it. Bad alternative for me. But that's exactly what we're talking about here. That doesn't mean you throw it out. I don't get onto social media and rant and rave about stevia. It's perfect for some people. It's not perfect for me. And so you just work your way down the list of what could be a problem and go from there with the goal is to live a well-balanced life, mm. work and life, not just play. work. Yes, and play just and work. fun. I love how you pulled out the mind-body connection because, I mean, you were talking about kind of physical things that led to a physical manifestation in your body, mm-hmm. but it also, uh, obviously, the stress it is mental and comes out in, and I've heard that for a while now, how stress especially is just devastating to our physical bodies if we're not managing it, which I yeah. talk a bit about because so, it's important to manage. and It really is. So. And your body doesn't know the difference between good stress and bad stress in the way your body reacts. So... A wedding is amazing and super fun, but stressful. A funeral can be really sad and hard, also stressful. Your body feels it the same way. And so when my body reacts to stress, it doesn't know that, you know, an election is different than, you know, an injury or somebody getting hurt in my family. My body just knows that it's stress. And so a lot of that, I loved every minute. Well, not every minute, a lot of minutes in the state house, not every minute. Some people I'd rather never talk to again, but not every minute, but there's a lot of minutes. And so a lot of that was fun for me. I think I missed a lot of the stress from the fun. I was having a great time being a workaholic. I was having a great time. I was on a mission to fix something that I loved. And so for me, that was fun. And so I, I thought I had a good time doing it. I was playing, I was having fun, but my body was not taking that in like that. It was like, this is a lot of stress. Mm -hmm. And so it's just the way it is. And so I just have to be more connected. So I do wear a watch now to try to stay connected so that I, Mm -hmm. I'm still not good at like automatically getting my heart rate down and I get too stressed out doing nothing. And that's still not a great connection for me. And maybe that's a piece that never really was a great connection, which may be a piece of why I got to where I got in the first place. Mm -hmm. But I stay stressed higher than a lot of other people. And so, you know, there's more, maybe more to that, but I'm just still on that never ending journey to learn and to do what I can to live the best life I can in the body that I have. 
but I've got to get my mind in the right space to do that. Right. And during COVID was when I decided I would try Headspace and another breathing app because I was like, okay, I talk about this and I tell others about this. I wonder if it would make a difference. And it really has. It has made a good difference for me and helped just kind of center me more and learn more about how to breathe and how to um, be get that connection back a little bit better on days than I don't. So some days my brain's just flying around the whole time I'm trying to meditate. And then other days it's kind of quiet. And I'm like, huh. And so it's more about doing the practice, right? And just trying it. And it's not so much always what the result is. That's not the point. But it's been really fascinating to give that a try. So, you know, I'm still learning new things and trying new things even this many years later because it's not perfect. It's just an ongoing work in progress. And something that's working last year or now may not work a year from now because... Very true. Very true. And that's what I found during the pandemic. We don't talk about this much, but you know how like if you drink, if you're a two cup of coffee drinker a day and then you move up to a third cup, then if you go back down to that just two, you don't feel the same because you built a tolerance and you kind of wanted the third one. Well, your body kind of does the same thing with self-care on the relaxation side. So during the pandemic, all the stuff we used to do for self-care wasn't enough because we added a new level of stress during the pandemic that we don't really talk about. But even now to this point of masks or no masks and vaccines and no vaccines and going inside and outside and all the choices that you added on top of your daily life. So the stuff that used to work for your basic self-care routine might not be enough to kind of combat that extra new level of stress that went on for as of today, it's 767 days of since the COVID proclamation. Wow. And I know this because I help teach on this. And so that's a long time to be under stress. And so just thinking about your body doesn't know what to do with that. You are absolutely right. What worked last year might not work now. And so that's why I'm always tweaking and changing and trying to find the next piece to add to the puzzle. Because sometimes, you know, some foods will bother me certain times and other times it doesn't. And so I can't just be, you know, one size fits all. It's just not going to work so well for most people. So how does your newfound appreciation for life balance play into what you do now or how you do it? That's a great question. Thank you for that question. So I have margin in my life now. I actually do not schedule every minute of every day. I work for myself. I know. I work for myself (laughs) as a consultant and a coach. And I love it. And, but I love it with time to play. One of the things I do, and if you ever check out my social media, I think even my Facebook or my website now will have it, but I have a a recumbent trike that's got a three wheel trike and her name is Rhonda and she's 40 pounds and I ride her really long distances. And the reason I named her Rhonda is because if you're going uphill, you need a little help. So you got to help me, Rhonda. Right? That's right. <laughs> so, so her name's Rhonda, and she's red. I love her. And but I ride distance biking, and I my head gets so clear and so so free. And so I've put like chunks, blocks of time to like be off. I sit at the pool. I love the pool. I love the ocean. And so making calendar time and putting vacations on my calendar in advance, Imagine so I can that. look forward to things. I know. And then not opening my laptop when I'm on those vacations. And so just really... Now you're going a little too far there. (laughs) (laughs) Totally taking a break in vacation. I know. And I'm still learning. I'm not awesome at it, but I'm I'm improving. And I did five days without opening a laptop not that long ago. And that was like probably a first for me. 
And I've got a longer vacation coming up in the next month or so, and I'm going to try to go longer. And really just trying to make margin where it works. And so because I had such a huge burnout and I know having better boundaries and better policies in my life would have fixed it, I help others now with that, whether they have issues in their home that need to be kind of structured better or in their workplace and those policies. And then I'm still working at that community policy level, helping people make better policies and systems because I still care about mental health and the mental health of all people. But I'm helping people sometimes figure out how to do that better for themselves. And so that's really the work I've decided to do. And it allows me that flexibility to play. And that's become the most important thing. That's awesome. So this has been a great conversation. Just so many great takeaways here. I hope everybody's getting. How can they learn more about you? What's your website? And I'll include it in the show notes. Yeah. So my website is just my name. It's reneeschulte.org. And it really goes into talking about the work I do at the state levels. I mean, it really is. We create systems. I'm working in another state right now about whether or not we need a new psychiatric hospital. So I do everything from that high-level mental health all the way down to personal mental health. And I still work one-on-one with people because that's who matter to me. The systems only get created for the people. Mm-hmm. And if and if the system, it doesn't matter what the system does, if a person's still hurting, we miss that boat. And so I have it the whole range of people. And that way I can kind of keep my finger on the pulse of mental health and making sure that we're making a progress as a society in that space. And so going to my website, you can learn all there is to know about me. That's great. Uh, well, thank you for this conversation. It's been really enlightening. I'm so glad it's not great the way you had to get to where you are now, but it was the journey that you were meant to go on and you're in a great space now. And I'm so happy for you and for the vision and the information you're sharing with everyone now. So thank thank you. you. And if I can help anyone avoid that ditch, I will. That will be my ongoing desire because I wasn't very fun. So don't do that. We don't want to be doing that for sure. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in today. I hope you make it an inspiring rest of the day. Take care. If you're like most women, you have a big dream on your heart and really want to make a positive impact in the lives of others. But self-doubt, fear, or other limiting beliefs often get in your way. What many women don't realize is that the one thing that can catapult them forward is deepening their self-love and self-esteem. So I have a free ebook for you that's really going to help you in this area. It's called 30 Days to Deepen Self-Love, and you can download it at the link in our show notes. Enjoy.